Hey, Vineyard Northwest, Wilson here. This past weekend, we had an amazing guest speaker named Becky Olmstead. In just a moment, Sarah Anderson is gonna introduce her to you. But first, I just wanna tell you that this is a timely message for us as a church. We do believe that a great move of God is coming and we wanna be ready to participate in it and also to be part of praying and joining with, um, joining with God in prayer for a, a move of God to happen in our world, but even in the United States. So I hope you are really encouraged by this message and take up a greater desire to pray after listening to it. All right, good morning. We have a special treat today. We have a guest speaker who flew in all the way from California to be with us. Her name is Becky Olmstead. She is a dear friend of mine. And Becky and her husband, Rick, planted the Vineyard of the Rockies, and they pastored it together for 37 years out in Fort Collins, Colorado. They recently transitioned their church and passed it on to another young couple. Becky has also served so faithfully as the Vineyard Kids USA director. And so she has helped to pastor all of the children's pastors like myself around the country that are in vineyards. And she has such a heart for kids. And she has a great message to share with us today from her extensive experience and the things that she is seeing God do today in our world. So if you would, could you please stand with me and welcome Becky. Well, thank you very much. It's really my pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I've been part of the Circle Conference over the weekend, and it was a great time. It was really a lot of fun to come. I love kids people because um, I really have a big heart for kids, because I was a kid who came to know Jesus when I was just five years old, and I have followed him all the days of my life. And so my passion is that kids would come to know him young and follow him. And uh, Sarah shared with you that I, we just transitioned, it hasn't even been a year, out of our church that we had led for 37 years. It um, went really well, which I'm really grateful to God. We have a great pastor that uh, God sent to us. We asked for God to speak to someone and send him to us, and he did. He, um, God answered every prayer. And we worked with him for a couple years and then turned the church over to him and his wife and our, our goal is that we can stay in the church and just attend and serve. I try to sub for kids' ministry when I'm in town. But we're not around a lot because um, our main assignment, we are temporarily in California, but my main assignment is that we are, uh, my husband and I were asked after we stepped out of our church to lead the 414 window movement. Now, you probably haven't even ever heard of it, but it's a global movement. And it's called 414 because it's about kids between the ages of four and 14 years old. And um, I, since I'm a kids pastor, I know this, and I was a child development major, that kids are born with windows of time to learn things, developmental windows, we call them. And they also have spiritual developmental windows. And between four and 14 is a big developmental window for kids to come to know Jesus. And, you know, the great thing about the way God created us, windows never close completely, but they do narrow down. And so it's wide open when they're young, and as they get older, it closes down. And 
People can still come to Christ as adults, but a lot more people do between the ages of four and 14. In fact, they've done studies. If you've asked a group of people who follow Jesus, when did you first have your God awareness or awareness that you needed God in your life? And a great percentage say between the age of four and 14. So let's see, how many of you came to Jesus or became aware of a need for Jesus when you were a child between the ages of 4 and 14? See, look around, it's true. And then they say it really goes up to 18. It's, it's really concentrated before 4 and 14, but it's still open. They say almost up to 80 or 85% of people do it by the time 18. How about the rest of you? Are there any of you 18, between four and eight, 14 and 18? Yeah, yes, yeah, see, we got some more. So it's, it's really a true thing, and I'm excited to be a part of it because of my passion for kids, and I'm really excited that my husband, Rick, can come alongside me and do what I'm really super passionate about. And the, the fun thing about being part of a global movement is I get to hear what God is doing around the world today, and it's super exciting. I love, I have this little bias. I feel like Americans have a reputation around the world that we know everything, and if you want to know an answer to something, just ask us. We can tell you. And I don't want to be that kind of American, because it's not true. And so I love being with the global body of Christ and learning from them. Do you know that the South Koreans have learned a lot about prayer? And people say that they have taught the rest of the world to pray. Well, I never knew any South Koreans, but I think we could learn a lot from the South Koreans now that I've met them and see what prayer warriors they are, that God has imparted to them the gift of prayer, and we need to all look to them and ask God to give us that too. That's just one little example of things we can learn from around the world. But being part of a global movement and seeing what God's doing, I realize that God is on the move. Uh, when I first found out about the 414 movement, I realized that there's a wind that's sweeping over the earth, and it started over in the majority part of the world already, and it's coming over, and I think it's starting to hit the U.S. And it's a move of God of epic proportions unlike anything we've ever seen. And we can be part of it if we say yes to it. So I see that God is wakening a generation to his love and power, and we're living in a defining moment of time, and this moment matters. And it's more than just coming to church on Sunday morning and getting filled up. I mean, that's a good thing, but it's more than that. And it's more than just being a part of a great church. And I'd like you to um, watch this video because it's gonna share with us his dream for this next generation.
Doesn't that just stir up something in your heart? For me, it gets me really excited because I want to be part of something big. I wear this key around that says dream, and it's not because I want to dream big dreams. I believe God has big dreams, and I want to be a part of the big dreams that God is doing. So we've, throughout history, there's been lots of moves of God, and we've seen in our own country in the last few generations, we've seen God raise up mighty people who have made a difference in our, in our world as well as our, our country too. I, our own in our movement is John Wimber. He was radically used by God to start the Vineyard Church, but also to impact the whole body of Christ. He traveled around the world, and, and he brought... Um, release people to do ministry who normally were looking to their pastor to do all the ministry. And we brought worship to the world. Uh, the, I remember turning on the TV when I was younger, watching the vineyard in the early days. I mean, watching the vineyard. I remember when I was younger in the early days of the vineyard, because I've been in the vineyard a long time. One Sunday morning, I turned on the TV as I was folding the laundry before church. And I it, for some reason, it was a church service in England that came on the TV, and they were singing one of our vineyard songs. And I thought, wow, that is really cool, because in those early days, our worship paved the way for the rest of the body of Christ. And then there's people like um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who really made a big difference for World War II, standing up for Jesus. Mother Teresa has impacted the world with her life. Um, also, I think of um, Reinhard Bonnke, who recently passed away, made a big difference in the world, speaking out and sharing the good news of Jesus. And then Billy Graham led a thousand, well, probably a million people or more to Jesus during his lifetime. And he passed away in 2018. And when he passed away, I, I told God, I said, God, if you're just pouring out his um, anointing on other people since he's gone now. Could you give me a little bit of that for kids? Which I think he did. But you know, before he died, he was interviewed by a, a magazine writer, and they asked him, who do you think when you pass away will be the next Billy Graham? And he said, the church. And I think he saw into the future, he knew what God is doing. And he knew that God was not going to pour out his spirit on one man, but he wanted to pour it out on the whole church. And, you know, I think that's so cool because in the vineyard in the 90s, prophecy really came through strong in the vineyard. And a prophet, I think it was Bob Jones, had a, a vision and he saw people standing on stage speaking to large groups of people. And the people standing on stage had paper bags on their heads. And he said that those paper bags meant they were people nobody knew. Nobody knew. They weren't a big name. Nobody knew who they were, but God was using them to mightily minister to people. And, you know, when I heard that, I thought, well, I didn't think then, but I was thinking now as I see what's going on. I thought, you know, I think... That, was, that means God wants kids and youth to be used too. Because kids and youth are often the, the faceless generation. They don't have a voice, the voiceless generation. They can't, kids especially. I know you youth, you can make a difference and speak up. But often kids aren't heard. And so I think that God wants to use kids and youth 
in this movement. And he wants to use kids and youth around the world to bring his great next revival. And you know, when I researched some revivals that have happened in past times from like early times, like 1500s and 1600s, they always said it was the kids and youth who were there praying. The kids and youth were involved in all of those great revivals. And I just think that's God's heart. He wants all ages to be involved. And he wants to use the people you least expect so he gets all the glory for what happened. It's not a, a person that's getting the glory. And so I, I studied the first Great Awakening in America. And it was from 1730 to 1760. And it was at a time after the pilgrims had come to our country and they had settled in. You know, they came, the pilgrims came because they wanted to worship God freely and not be persecuted. And so they established, this is a country where we can, we value God. We believe in God and we worship God. And they established their colonies, their 13 colonies, and life got pretty easy, at least for them, compared to what it was when they arrived. And it, life became more prosperous and people became more complacent about God. And that next generation didn't have the fervor of those first people that came over. In fact, I read that the churches were filled with, well, they had sometimes had pastors that didn't even really have a personal relationship with Jesus. They just went into that as an occupation, that I want to be a pastor. I like to talk and give talks. And nobody was calling people into a, a relationship with Jesus very much. And those, those faithful followers of Jesus started with prayer. They started calling out to God and asking God to do something. And God heard their prayers, and they raised up a man, Theodorus Frelinghausen. Anybody ever hear of him? <laughs> he was probably one of those paper bag guys. Nobody knew him. He was a nobody, but God wanted to get the glory. And he started calling people into relationship with Jesus. And you know who responded first? The youth. They heard him, and they came, and they... God transformed their lives. And they went back to their families and brought their parents. And a revival broke out. And people fell in love with Jesus. They filled, there wasn't enough room in the churches for the people to be held. And the people got God's heart so much that they went out into the community and they started visiting prisoners and they started serving the poor and they started doing the things they saw in their community to bring change. The, the problems that they solved, they felt like they were their problems and they, they needed to solve them. And this revival broke out in one colony and spread to all 13 colonies. And before, there wasn't much communication. They were individual, isolated colonies. And all of a sudden, they were united because God was moving through all of them. And they all worked together. They sent speakers to different places. Even some speakers went to England. And some people from big names from England came over here. And God was moving and it, they call it the Great Awakening. And it, people who were not believers saw that God was doing something, and they acknowledged it. Benjamin Franklin even wrote about how he saw people with lives changed and the results of what they were doing in their community. And God raised up the men who wrote the Declaration of the Independence for our country out of that first Great Awakening. But God wants to do another awakening in our nation. And I believe that the next great awakening has already begun. The breeze is beginning to blow. 
And some of the ways that we see happened in the first Great Awakening, we're seeing happening today. There's awakening in the next generation. God is awakening the hearts of kids and youth and showing the church that you need to invest in them and that you need to include them. And he's raising up movements, lots of movements, but I know my own movement is 10 years old. The 414 movement has a value for seeing kids and reaching kids and, and teaching kids the Bible and, teach, and releasing them to go out and make a difference and do the works of the kingdom and not have to wait till they grow up and that they have a voice to speak out. And God's doing that. He's raising up a generation of young people that are being awakened and because they know they're living at a pivotal moment in history and they, they want to jump out and do something at this particular time. He's also awakening people to pray. He's speaking to hearts of people and telling them prayer is really important and valuable. And if you want to see me move, pray, come pray. And he's even joining prayer groups together with other prayer groups I see around the world that there's prayer movements that are, I get newsletters from them and I see the things they're praying about and what God is doing and the answers and the world situations that they're praying for. There are people calling out for China, that, that virus in China that is so deadly. There are people who are on their knees praying and interceding that God would stop that virus in China and that it wouldn't spread. And, you know, I, I know a guy who lives in China, and he said that, that they have to, he lives in a particular city where the virus is really bad, and he said they can only go, nobody works or goes to school or anything. They're confined to their homes, and they're allowed to go out a few hours a day and get some food and then come back into their homes. And so there is a deadly big situation, and people are praying for that situation around the world. And so he's awakening people to pray. There's something called a global Jesus fast that God's raising up in a grassroots way. It's a, a man that said, let's pray for our country. Let's pray that revival will come to our country. And he's asked people to pray from March 1st to April 9th. And he's asked him to fast and pray. He calls it a Jesus fast. And there's a website, and you can go online and sign up. And over 50,000 people have signed up to, to pray during that time of period. I'm one of them. And I thought, how exciting that we can join with others all over the country and all over the world. It's a global thing, too. And you, if you go to the website, you can see little flags of places where people have signed up so you can see where people are praying all over the world. And if we join hearts, just can you imagine what we can accomplish through the power of God if, he, if we pray together and he hears our prayers and answers them, which I know he will do because Second Chronicles 7.14 promises that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, he will hear from heaven. Isn't that exciting that we can impact the world by gathering together and praying? And then another thing that was really a big deal with the Great Awakening is faith arose. Theodorus uh, Freelinghausen had the faith to step out and speak. The youth who heard him had the faith to go bring their families. The people that came had the faith to go out and make a difference in their community and start programs that help feed the poor. They had the faith to welcome people into their churches who were normally not included, like the poor, like kids. So they gave women a place. It took faith, and they, they had the faith to do it. And I love in Hebrews 11.1 1, where it says, Now faith brings our, our hopes into reality. And I know 
I'm dreaming for a great revival, and it says faith brings it into reality and becomes a foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It's all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So faith is a big deal to God, but he puts faith inside of us. And do you know how much faith you have to have to make a difference? The Bible says all you have to do is believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And that's, it's not a big deal. It's just if you believe and call him out to him and ask him, that's enough faith to get him to move. Faith opened hearts to receive revelation. That's what he did for Noah. Faith moves people to obedience. That's what he did for Abraham. Faith embraces miracle power. And that's what he did for Sarah. And today, God is pouring out faith into people that, have, that can speak out the messages that there's another great awakening that will result in lives being changed and our societies transformed. Our world will be forever impacted by the power of God. You know, when we're in God's presence, it changes everything, doesn't it? A moment in his presence makes such a big difference. Then also, it was an awakening to a season of salvation in the first great awakening. Theodorus Frelinghausen was calling people into relationship with Jesus when it, it wasn't as common to do so. And I see movements and God speaking to people about the importance of calling people into relationship. There's a movement called Go 2020, which stand, the Go stands for Global Outreach. And organizations, tons of different organizations are working together to see the year 2020 as a year that everybody goes out and evangelizes their neighbors and their friends, that we all share Jesus with um, the people that we know all around the world. It's another global thing. And they're including kids and youth too. They have a kids track where they put together some kids resources and they have a youth track where they provided youth resources to help equip the body of Christ to go out and to share our faith with others. And you know, in 2018, God spoke to me about um, coming up with a new way to share the gospel with kids. And I felt like he said, it's time that we need a new way because the kids today, what worked before isn't working now. And kids live in a different culture and we need to speak their language and share Jesus with them in a way that they can comprehend. And so um, I, I've done that. He gave me, I didn't know what to do. He asked me if I'd do it. And I was like, oh, I guess so, but I don't know how. And then I felt like he just whispered in my ear, just share with them my heart for kids. And so he gave me a book called The Best News Ever. And it's a story about just how much God loves kids. And um, when I first got to share it, I, was, uh, I didn't know how kids would respond. And I did it to a, a group of kids on a night of worship, kind of like you guys had on Friday night with your families. And, and um, I shared it and the story. And then afterwards, I said, now, I said, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd like to meet you. And I'll be out back by the door when you leave after the concert's all over. I did it in the middle of the concert. And I was shocked afterwards, the kids that came up to me, because I thought, I don't even know if they'll remember that I said to stop by and see me. And they did. And they came up to me and said, yes, I prayed and I prayed. And I'll, I had like 33 kids that night that told me that they had prayed to say yes to Jesus. And then... Um, 
I did it again that summer and at a camp with about 500 kids, and we had a bunch of people to, for them to go talk to, and we had uh, 330 kids out of that 500 kids say yes to Jesus. And then throughout the next, the rest of the year and into 2019, every chance I got, I wrote down little notes about how kids responded because I thought I want to keep track of what God's doing because I asked God for the evangelism gift. And so I thought I need to be faithful to steward what I asked him to give me. And so I kept track. And over the 2018 and 2019, I had over 800 kids respond to Jesus that I was part of it. I don't even know what else God did, but that's pretty cool, huh? So it's a season of salvation. And as people's hearts come to know him, they're always changed because that's what he does by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he sends them to go out. And there's an organization called The Sin that gathers stadiums full of people. They've got been four different places around the world, two in South America and two in, in America. And they have young adults and older adults together who are crying out to God on behalf of their countries and asking God to send them. And so God, God is doing something. We are in a new day and a new season. And God's spirit is moving. And you know what? We want to lean into it. We don't want to just see it pass us by. I was a teenager in high school when the Jesus movement happened. Have you guys ever heard of the Jesus movement? It was in the late 60s, early 70s. I was in high school, and I remember, um, yeah, it was probably 73-ish. I remember kids, well, I was a Christian in high school. I told you I followed Jesus all my life. But I didn't do well sharing my faith I, was, I wasn't very bold. And I could, I'd go to church all the time, and I tried to invite some friends to church that they never really liked it. But I, I, wasn't, I was not very evangelistic at all. And um, I remember seeing in my high school, I'd hear about kids who were coming into relationship with Jesus. And they were the most unexpected kids. The, the druggy kids were all finding Jesus. And the cheerleader girl was finding Jesus, and I would think she was so far away from God. And they were like all showing up at my church, which was kind of awkward because I'd never shared with them. And here I am in church. And, but um, God was doing something wonderful. And it was an exciting time to live in. It was so exciting to see thousands of young adults and kid, teenagers give their lives to Jesus. And they were forever transformed. I know the people that came to Christ when I was a teenager, and they're still following Jesus today. And they've raised up their kids to follow Jesus. It was a marvelous work of God. It was so impacting in Southern California that my um, teenage magazine, teen magazine that I read, it was one of those teenage girl magazines, had, did a whole article on the Jesus movement. And they showed a picture of the the Pacific Ocean and how the church was doing a baptism with hundreds of teenagers. I mean, it was a big deal. It was a move of God. But the sad thing about that move of God for me was I didn't get to participate in it. I, nobody told me, hey, God is moving and you can be a part of it. Just ask, pray, ask God to show you which of your friends is he working in? Who is he speaking to? Whose heart is he drawing? Ask him to give you those eyes that you can see that. And then when you see it, reach out to them and start a God talk. Talk to him about God. Nobody told me that. I didn't, I didn't know to do that. I didn't know. I, didn't, I observed it. I enjoyed watching it. But 
it would have been so much more fun if I would have participated. And so I'm telling you, there's another move of God coming, and I want you to get to participate in it. So what can we do, especially because my passion is about kids and youth? In light of kids and youth, how can we encourage this move of God in our kids and youth? Well, we're living in a defining moment, and we know that this moment matters. So one thing we can do, now is the time to call people to Christ. It is a season of salvation. Just like I was talking earlier about God saying you need a new way. It's a season to call your kids to Christ. It's a season to call your youth to Christ. And it's a season to teach them to call their friends to Jesus too. And it's a season for you to call your adult friends to Jesus that share Jesus with them. Just go out and start God Talks. See the needs in their life and let them know that Jesus can meet those needs. But it's a season to do that. We need to lean into that. And with my book, The Best News Ever, um, it's one way that parents can help their kids lean into it. So just a little plug there. But God wants is calling people in. Their hearts are ripe. Their hearts are open. And ask him to give you his eyes to see who they are. Now is the time to call people to uh, teach the next generation, sorry, how to hear God's voice. Because it's not enough just to know the Bible and say, yes, I want to be your follower. You need that close relationship. And you guys understand how important it is to hear God. You've got it. But we want to make sure our kids understand that they can hear God. Remember Samuel, little boy God talked to? We want to make sure our teens know that they can say, hey, God, is there anything you want to say to me right now? And God will answer them. We're, we're doing a series uh, in a church in California that's called Hello, God. And we said, is there anything you want to say to me? And when I taught uh, on one of those series times, I taught about some tips on how to hear God. I had a lady come up to me, and we had a moment where we said, okay, God, is there anything you want to say to me right now? And she said after church that I came in here very angry. I, I could feel that I was very angry at my family. I could feel the anger on me. And when I said, is there anything you want to say to me right now? God lifted the anger off my heart. And I feel forgiveness. And God transformed her. And then another guy came up to my husband. And he said, it was a week later. He said, you know, when Becky talked last week, he said, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I don't know if I believe all this stuff. But, but when we were quiet, I felt like God said, tell Rick you need to stay. I mean, he gave that guy who, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I don't know all this stuff. But God talked to him and gave him a word. And he went to give it to Rick. And Rick's like, oh, I, that, that's, I needed to hear that. I mean, he saw, he was used by God. Now that guy's transformed now. Isn't that cool? But it is a time to teach people, and especially our kids and youth, how to hear God. You know, we had a concert last Friday night for the families. Maybe some of you were here with your kids. And um, we did call Kids to Christ, and we had 23 kids that said yes to Jesus, which is very exciting. And I stood back at that table after the concert was all over, and Karen and I stood back there, and they came up and talked to us. And I had one little girl, I don't, I wish I knew her name. She was so sweet. She was four years old-ish, I look like, I'm guessing. I don't know her mom, but maybe she's your daughter. But she came up to me, and she said, do you want to hear what God said to me? Because when we prayed the prayer 
to say yes to Jesus. We said, Jesus, we said, God, is there anything you want to say to me right now? And we waited. And then we ended the prayer. So she said, do you want to hear what God said to me? And I said, yeah, I want to hear what God said to you. And she said, he said he loves me. And I said, oh, he does love you. That was God that you heard. Now is the time to empower kids, youth, and adults to go be community changers, that we can make a difference in our cities. We can make a difference in our communities. We can see needs and fulfill them. Even kids can see needs and fulfill them. Even youth can make a big difference in the world that they live in. And our Vineyard Kids USA, we, we together, all vineyard churches that participated, we, gave, we knew there's a, a vineyard in Puerto Montt, Chile, that is building an orphanage. And they're taking in kids from the community that are orphans, and they didn't have a playground. And so we found a company that builds playgrounds called Kids Around the World, and we raised $15,000 so that they could have a playground. Phil, Phil Strout, our national director, was there last week, and he sent me a text, and he said, the kids are really excited about the playground. And uh, it was just really cool to get that our kids, our vineyard kids, made a difference. And we need to let them, empower them to go out and do things that they can be used of God now. And we all can be used of God now. And, you know, God is moving even here in Columbus right now. Karen and I went out to dinner last night, and we um, ended up sitting by a lady who was older, and she was very... Well, we started talking to her, and she just really leaned in. She wanted to talk to us more, and I, I just knew. I knew. I thought, she feels the love of Jesus in us. She feels Jesus in us, and she's drawn to that, and she just wanted to talk more and more. And then we started hearing some of her story, and I knew she had some big wounds and some needs that God wanted to meet, and I knew we need to pray for her. And then the next thing, I was kind of working on my talk. Karen was talking to her more. The next thing Karen tells me, she wants us to go to her house for coffee after dinner. And I thought, okay, well, we're supposed to pray for her. If we can't pray for her here, we might have to go to her house for coffee after dinner. So I told Karen, hey, if we can pray for her here, I think we're doing what we need to do. We don't have to go there for coffee. So we had a little ministry time with her, and God showed up and met her in a really wonderful way in the middle of a restaurant last night. That there are hearts... People who, when they see the Jesus in you, they want Jesus, and you can give it to them. So it's, it's starting. And then unity is such a big deal in the heart of God. So now is the time to work together toward one common goal, that Jesus would be made known. And God loves it when we partner with other organizations, when we partner with other churches, and we don't care who gets the glory. We just want God to move. And so now's the time to do that. And there's a quote that I love by a man named Lou Engle. And he said, there are moments in history when a door for massive change opens and great revolutions for good or evil spring up in the vacuum created by these openings. In these divine moments, key men and women and even entire generations risk everything to become the hinge of history, the pivotal point that determines which way the door will swing. We're in those, one of those moments in history. The door is swinging open, and we want God to come 
and do an epic revival in the world today. But the enemy also wants to come and do an epic move of destruction in the world today, just like that China virus that could spread. And it's a pivotal moment. We are the hinges that can determine which way is the door going to swing. Are we going to swing it open for God to come in? Or are we going to let the enemy, are we going to do nothing and let the enemy swing it open toward evil? And we have an opportunity to make a choice to stand in that doorway and determine what happens. And I want to be the hinge that swings it open to God. I think that's a cause worth living for. When I came to Jesus as a little kid, I grew up thinking, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life, but I want to make a difference in the world. And there's nothing greater than knowing that your life makes a difference in the world. And this is an opportunity that we can say yes to him. When Before um, I got involved in the 414 movement in 2011, I just heard, I was in a meeting where I wasn't paying attention to anything at all, and I was kind of daydreaming, and I heard God speak really clearly to me. And I felt like he said, can you just say yes to me? And to me, that meant in regards to kids. And I thought, wow, what does that mean? I don't know. What would that look like? I don't know. But I kind of had this sense in my heart that if I would say yes, that there would be some kind of adventure that I would get to go on. And I didn't know what the cost was going to be. And, and I knew there were a lot of things I like to do and I don't like to do. But I thought it sounded like an adventure. And I kind of had a picture in my mind that I was going to like ride a wave and go somewhere. And I didn't know where it was going to take me. But I had this opportunity this moment in my life where I was standing at a crossroads and I can make a choice. And so I thought, okay, I guess I'll say yes. I don't know what it means, but I'll say yes. And when I, once I said that yes, throughout that year, God started bringing opportunities to my way, little opportunities to step out and do things that made me extremely uncomfortable. And when I did it, I would I think, oh, this is part of saying yes to God. And, and it was kind of exciting because I got to do things I hadn't done before. And then when I got that invitation on an email to come to a conference in Singapore about kids from this movement, 414 movement I'd never heard of, I was ready to delete that email because I don't go out of the country. <laughs> I don't know who they are. And um, I don't have money to do those kinds of things. And so I was going to delete it. And I thought... I don't know if I should delete it. And so I, I kept it. And then I had an opportunity later and I talked to my husband. I said, you know, at the beginning of the year, I felt like God asked me, will you just say yes to me? Because I hadn't told him he'd done that. And I said, I got this email and I kind of feel like maybe it's connected to saying yes to God. What do you think? Do you think I should go? And he said, yes, I think you should go and you should take me too, which I didn't think he should go. But it ended up, I went, I took him, and God opened my eyes to something that now we are leading because I said yes to God. Well, you're at a pivotal point in history too, and God wants to know, do you want to play? Do you want to be a part of what I'm doing? Will you be willing to say yes to me even though you don't know what it looks like? But I can tell you, it will be fun, and it will be an, a big deal. So I'd like you to stand today, and I'd like to pray over you. Father, I thank you for this church. Holy Spirit, I just invite you now. You see hearts. And Lord, you see the hearts that you're calling.
And God, I ask that you would see the yeses in those hearts. And Lord, that you would use this church, that your revival in Columbus, I know Columbus, why do I keep saying that? Cincinnati, I know where I am. Cincinnati would start here today in this church, Lord. I know you're moving. I know you're calling them to prayer. Lord God, I ask that you would you would make them hunger and thirst for you so much that they're praying all the time, God. Lord, I ask that you would give them the gift of evangelism to go out and lead many to you. Lord, that you would teach them how to teach their children, that you would teach them how to release their youth into evangelism. Lord, I ask that you would continue to bless them with the ability to hear your voice. And from the youngest to the oldest would hear you every day of their life, Lord. And that they would be obedient to act in the things that you show them. Lord, I ask that you'd open up the eye, their eyes to see their needs in their community and you would give them the resources and the creativity to fulfill those needs. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing with these people that you love. And God, I ask that you would use them and you would let them see your movement, that what you're doing today matters and that they could be a part of it. Amen.